Hi, welcome to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. We're coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn and Restaurant, which is a wonderful place for breakfast. It gets better and better this fall season. Yeah, it's beautiful. It, just, it gives you such a hug as, as you kind of walk into it. and That's a great then, way of putting it. Oh, absolutely. And then you go you go inside and, uh, you know, it's just, I, I don't want to leave. <laughs> I'm moving in. <laughs> I'm going to have to make sure you clear out after we're done because yeah. you're not allowed to do that. Uh, you're listening to us here on 88.3 WPPB.org. Oh, I said .org, but you could listen to us there on 88.3WPPB.org, or you can listen to us on the radio. And who's our guest today? Our guest today um, is Jeffrey Drummond. Jeffrey, among other things, uh, it, it runs and I believe started the food lab that comes out of Stony Brook, and, uh, but has had a very um, fascinating life and career uh, in the world of, of culinary arts. You say culinary, I say culinary. And is it caramel or caramel? Oh wait, we had this discussion. Well, I say culinary. car. Cu- cu- I say car. I say caramel. Cu- culinary. <laughs> culinary. I think, I think Jeffrey actually lived in Carmel, uh, California, for a little bit. But but that's so. not the same as eating a caramel. Oh, yeah. see, there you go. That's how I say it. There you go. So, <laughs> but let's talk about food. Yeah, let's talk about food. I mean, obviously, uh, we we live our lives uh, ingesting uh, food, uh, having our own emotional. Uh, relationship to food oh yeah uh but and this is the real thing when you actually uh are monetizing food when you're actually in the food industry it like a lot of industries has its own peculiar um physics i guess you can say um what i would like to do is actually ask you bridget because i (laughs) other than loving to eat and loving to kind of cook at home you're a good cook uh, i'm a master of stews and all that stuff um, but you've actually kind of uh, put your feet to the fire a little yeah, bit in your yeah. own way. You, you well, I come a from a, I, I come from a restaurant background, right, with my dad and Tyron right. on and, the green and, 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 and your dad talked about restaurants as being uh, a theater, a theater for all the senses. For all the senses. It's the only. It's the only theater that involves all five senses because it involves you know what you hear, right. what you taste, and, pop, and touch. And your pop, uh, your pop. Uh, Tavern on the Green and Maxwell's Plum. What other restaurants did he? Russian do? Tea Room. He had Potomac down in uh, in D.C. and he had a Maxwell's Plum out in uh, Ghirardelli Square in San Francisco. And he also started Great Adventure, the amusement park. But, right. but so, so you're growing up in a household where these are famous restaurants. These are destination restaurants, and they also, at least in my experience, are restaurants that kind of offer a little bit of magic. Like yeah. that it wasn't just you're going for a meal. You're actually it, it's a destination. You know what's the crazy thing? When when we when I opened my own restaurant up in New Hampshire, I bought the New London Inn, and uh, and there, there's proof of this. Like you can you can find a video yeah, on proof YouTube. That you bought the New London. No, Inn. no, you can find proof of what I'm about to tell you. I'm qualifying my story before I actually say it because okay. you know me and I do that. Um, but we we were moving a, a particularly when we were re- re- retrofitting the the kitchen we moved this old heavy ice box i mean the place had been like abandoned for like a million years and these this envelope full of checks fell off the off the top of this the, old the, old the cereal or the uh, instrument of cash <laughs> the instrument of cash there was an envelope <laughs> stuffed with old like old cashed checks wow. and the place had been called new london tavern on the green get out of town i am not 
kidding. Wow. I am. So I like shit you not, as we say. Uh, talking right there. So, uh, so when, when you are, I mean, and you also have your chaga, yeah. Uh, which you, which we could talk about both things, but so just briefly, like when you started your own restaurant, obviously it was it was attached to the inn. It was attached to the inn, but what it hadn't biggest, been active. What were the biggest challenges and and anxieties uh, that you had to overcome at the very beginning? At the very well, very having a, a re- having it be beautiful first of all have it be inviting and warm and uh and i got these lamps from this uh guy who works in wood whose name is peter block which is funny but it's spelled uh, ch not but block of wood and uh he does these really thin um you know like sconces made of wood and i got nine sets of them so there were 18 of these so you lights. start with this almost emotional so it, it looked like a an emotional globe, visual like, you, you're mm-hmm. already you're already thinking about the subtext of how people are going to come in right. and what you want them to feel right that's how how i started it was with the beauty um because it wasn't in it was on the town green kind of like maidstone you know and so you'd see it and it was inviting and then of course having just a, a kick-ass rock star chef jared rockwell who's now the uh, at simon pearson Creechy. and how'd you how'd you guys emerge at that moment how do we merge oh somebody you... told me uh, a, a local guy uh, up there john rigo who's who's now passed who was a wonderful wonderful chef who had been in boston and stuff said i have a name for you and he sounds like a rock star and his name is jared rockwell and and he was just he was 24 years old he was hot to trot he'd grown up in the area he knew what the country club people would eat you know like sweetbreads would come in i was like sweetbreads really yeah <laughs> basically and uh, but and we also just, suppression of my emotions well I also you know I hate to say it but I also kind of hoard myself out and capitalize on the fact that my dad had owned you know tavern on the green and I mean like but you know I, I did but, whatever but, but I could I, do but I would I would argue anytime I've tried to bring anything to market I don't see it as a uh, quote-unquote whoring out it's like a very pragmatic conversation of oh my god you're the toy story guy uh, amongst the other things right. but yes and, right. and that's I'm, my added value so right, why exactly. not celebrate your added value thank you yeah so that was my added value but I mean we were on the cover of New Hampshire magazine five months after we opened as being the hottest restaurant in New Hampshire which believe it or not is actually a large state with a lot of very good eateries no absolutely so, and, and did you um, have a philosophy or did your chef have a philosophy of the food or was it more yeah just- yeah he just he just it was beautiful I mean we were like the this is going back like 15 years I think we were one of the first people to have like truffled fries with lemon aioli and he did like razor clams with pork chops he had duck confit right. you know it was, and what were just, the challenges as all right so this is like the challenges for me I would imagine having good people well, what happened was there were great people anyway, and some of them are probably listening because we're still friends. I'm still friends with the wait staff up there, even though I haven't owned the place in 10 years. And uh, what I did is I had, um, believe it or not, Lee Felty, who is Eric Lemonidas's partner at Almond. Lee was the assistant general manager of Tavern on the Green. He was like 22 years old. And I had him and Bismarck Irving, who also works for Almond in the city. They came up because they were still with Tavern. My dad was gone, but they came up and they led a three-day um seminar for all right, of our so, weight so stuff on fine to, dining service I'm, I'm asking these questions yeah. that, uh, not only because i'm it's very interesting to hear you talk about this chapter of your life but i do think that starting up something you know if you want to use that kind of newton's law yeah. you need more energy to get motion than than the motion that you need to get i don't know what yeah the law i mean it's that. another lifetime of mine i mean people don't even like know about that newton's what are you law? talking about i don't know like fig newton's the peter uh, peter principle peter, the, 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 let's uh, oh hey don't go there. hey now we always go there don't we somehow yeah no no but but i'm I, but uh, cutting through my stupidity i'm what i'm saying is is 
you you and Eric kind of so you know you're taking on this in but from you know what always scared me about restaurants and every time I would like fantasize oh I should open up a restaurant yeah, a lot like, of people hey, think you like that. to cook you should open up a restaurant and I, I live in the fear of like day 23 not like the beginning of boy this is exciting but now you have to have something that runs you have has to a level of quality anybody that comes in has to have a good experience. I mean, I'm sure Jeffrey will be able to speak, you know, much more to this. But for me, it was um, uh, I did not see my house in daylight for the first five months. I left my house at five o'clock in the morning to meet, you know, trucks, whatever was coming in for the day. Um, plus, it wasn't, you know, I mean, I had other people yeah, working. And, and I had a way, staff this is, of 50. This, this wasn't is like the real. But this is the yeah. real conversation in my mind, because it's a 24 hour yeah. Day. And then I would get home around 11 o'clock at night, get five hours sleep and do it again. So I did that from November through April while we opened the restaurant. All, all while you're hoping that every customer that comes in enjoys the sconces and mm -hmm. enjoys the scones and enjoys everything that yeah. the restaurant has. And it's magic. Yeah. And then the, you do have people always who come in who are unhappy people. They walk into the restaurant unhappy and they want to take it out on you know the restaurant and um and you just have to be uh, approach it with compassion got to give them their money back either and, that or like the pie know. from the movie the help <laughs> well anyway um that's probably see, that's why that's probably why i should never be in the service industry <laughs> well we don't usually you know tie our shows to something timely because they will this you might be listening to this in 2025 yeah. uh, you know in april or something but we do have jeffrey drummond joining us from the food lab at Stony Brook, uh, the, this is the weekend. I mean, by the time this airs, it will be over. So that that's kind of you know, if he's if he's stressed about it, just remember, by the time this airs, it's going to be done. So, uh, it, but it's a very exciting, a very exciting event that brings together people from the food industry and entrepreneurs and chefs. And I think it's probably a good place to take a break and then to bring Jeffrey Drummond on. What do you think? Outstanding. Let's do that. Okay, so you're listening to us here on eighty-eight point three WPPB FM. You can also listen to us online at www.883wppb.org. It's always a good time to make a donation to listener-supported public radio. And this is Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Socklow coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn and Restaurant. We'll be right back. We're back Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sockler. And you're listening to us here on 88.3 WPPB. And we're coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn and Restaurant, which serves breakfast to the public. And it's Please fantastic. Come in. I, I, again, there are very few places out here that are as beautiful in the morning that I've seen. It's uh, very peaceful here. Yeah. So until we show up. No, 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 no. We're, we're doing our job. <laughs> well, we're here with our producer, Delaney Hafner, and we're bringing on our guest, Jeffrey Drummond. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi there. So tell us about the Food Lab. Yeah, so all right, let's, let's start with, uh, did, how long have you been 
doing the food lab? Uh, this is our, the food lab is at Stony Brook in Southampton, uh, which is a really interesting campus that was once the biggest state and it's really really pretty oh it's gorgeous it's got and like a windmill on it and big windmill up yeah. at the top of the hill it was the biggest state looking out over the water and we do uh every year we have a big conference which is a gathering of professionals uh from chefs brewers winemakers bakers uh academics scientists uh this year including doctors, uh, and I'll explain why. Uh, well, what is talking the Talking about all kinds yeah. of issues. It, it's, a, it's a hub of conversation and information about all, all things about how we eat and what we eat. Uh, and it really is, the idea is to create community around food. And I, I, I think I, food nourishes community. Well, where did this idea come from? Like, how did it spawn in your mind? What, what, what did you, what need were you felt fulfilling? Uh, I was getting old. <laughs> That's okay. not a good enough reason. <laughs> and, uh, you only had no, so many meals left. <laughs> I, I, I've, been, I've been involved in producing food television for 40 years now. Like a little show with starring Julia Child. Like a little show. Uh, or several little shows yes. starring Julia Child. Well, we'll get to that, but but my mentor, hero, and so on. But and and with a lot of other terrific people. But I've been doing that and doing that for television makes you want to embrace the public in a direct way. Uh, and I thought, well, I'm moving out to the east end of Long Island. There's a community that's really not only interested in, but rich in its land and water and all of the food that comes from those places. And I thought, wouldn't it be terrific to have a gathering place for food people? And that's what we did. We created the food lab there. And the university's been terrifically Yeah, supportive. one of the things about Stony Brook, Southampton that I, I've seen in my experience is that they're very entrepreneurial. You know, that, that because they live as a satellite of the bigger Stony Brook apparatus, I think there's a sense of, you know, they might struggle with budget uh, internally in different ways, but there's a sense of if you bring them an idea, they'll support and give you a platform. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, Ka Kathy Russo is one of your, what's her title with Food Lab? I, I call her my associate director. My associate director. But she has the podcast. Kathy is the line producer, basically, okay. of events. Uh, and and but, in but fact, was, this weekend... Uh, today and tomorrow, which, which is Friday and Saturday, and yesterday, right? Is <laughs> Friday and Saturday. Okay, which is two days. Anyway, Friday the thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth, and Saturday the fourteenth are our annual food lab conference that we're doing this year, which is all about just what I've been talking about. It's all about tasting the terroir, tasting the food from our land and sea and talking about the challenges, the issues. And but it is Friday the 13th. And, and Let's what's the, taste the, the terror. No, but what's the focus of this year's conference? This year is all about, it's about taste. And literally, I mean, taste the, I mean, you guys were right. just talking about. Umami? Yeah, well. yeah, all of you, them. You have your five basic tastes, sweet, sour, salt, bitter, and umami, and probably a bunch well, of others. And why is it called umami? Because everything uh, else a, is like kind of like Anglo-Saxon, an yeah, right. and then here's umami. Well, they don't want to call it guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, it's but it such means a, like a, a meaty taste, doesn't right. it? It's is like it, what it, you it, get from it, mushrooms. When you it, 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 where does the word come from? 
it's I think a, it's a Japanese it's word. It's a Japanese word. Yeah. And it, it speaks to, it's not so much meat, but it's like a wholesomeness, uh, comfort food thing. It's what you get from a guacamole, which is one of the reasons why guacamole has become so popular. It's pasta. Truffles, though, too, right? right. I mean, it's that kind of, what, yeah, earth, it's like. Earth soul food. I think of it as more accessible than truffles, though. I love truffles, though. <laughs> oh, my God. I had a great uh, dinner last night too at Stone Creek Inn in uh, yeah, East Quag, and it was just that's, full that's of truffles. Place, yeah. Everything was truffles. Okay, but, well, but anyway, sorry. Stone Creek Inn, we're, by the way, oh, yeah. the um, tonight. No, which means Friday night. A couple of nights ago. <laughs> yeah. A couple of nights it was ago. So, that, that octopus was so good. <laughs> <laughs> he did have octopus. No, on we're not sorry. The our guest of honor who is speaking tonight uh, is a woman named Patty Gentry who has a farm called Early Girl Farm in Oh, Belcourt. I know Early Girl, yeah, yeah. And she was a chef in New York back in the same, probably a little after your dad was doing Maxwell's Plum. Wow. But she worked at a restaurant called Arcadia. Oh, I know Arcadia. And the Lobster Club oh, sure, with yeah. Ann Rosenzweig. Oh, wow. Then came out here, and she farm. she decided to stop running a kitchen and to start growing food and she farms a small plot of land yeah i, I know it because I, I live in marichas what's her and, what's her expertise in and that? her expertise is that she has a terrific palate and she has a real passion for per perfection really so what she's bring, what is she bringing so up she them? is coming to talk about what it's like to be a farmer rather than farm to table she's a farmer to table she is and she provides a lot of the produce for Stone Creek Inn. Really? Which and is fantastic. There. Yeah, yeah. That's really and, um, and then there's another person who's a friend of mine, Roger Sherman, who's a documentary filmmaker who made a terrific film uh, about a chef from Philadelphia named Michael Salmanoff, who has an Israeli restaurant. And the film is called In Search of Israeli Cuisine just won every oh, kind of award. So Roger is in the process of making a documentary about Patty called The Soul of a Farmer. Oh, There's how a great. long way of getting you there. Know, no, I, that's awesome. That's, that's food for thought. Uh, do you, I asked you this the other day, I think, when we were at the Julia Child dinner. Um, do you know Paulak Patel? She no. She is amazing and she uh one chopped and and beat she beat bobby flay i mean i don't have tv so i've never seen any that's of these so shows kinky. but that's phrases so beat the beat, beat bobby flay or flay bobby beat <laughs> <laughs> it works either way but uh she is uh one of my new besties and and she made this incredible dinner for us at the independent anyway she's in israel right now on this like eight day culinary culinary tour couscous of, no, it's more it's more than just couscous. Hummus? I mean that's the thing. She's been posting these pictures on Instagram. Artichokes. It looks fabulous food in Israel. Great food. Guilty fish. Um, <laughs> guilty, guilty fish. Guilty fish. Exactly. Guilty fish. I love it. Friday night's opening session is really about farmer to table. Nice. And there'll be lots of local farmers gave their foods to a great buffet being put together by East End Food Institute, which is formerly Amagansett Food Institute. Right, we, we have a story about them and this week. we're kind of working very collaboratively on the campus. It's a great event, and tomorrow... Uh, meaning Saturday. Saturday. Saturday, Lydia Bastianich, uh, who is a terrific, terrific chef and personality and restauranter, in New York, uh, restaurants Felidia, Del Posto, uh, and Becco, and, and TV personality, who I actually 
first brought to television uh, early on in the early 80s and then did several series with her for PBS in the 90s. Uh, and she's still doing it. Um, and she's terrific. So she's going to be, uh, she will have spoken yeah. on Saturday <laughs> right. in conversation with Adam Gopnik, who's a is it the New Yorker? great writer no. for the New Yorker. It is the New Yorker, yeah. yeah. Um, that's fantastic. But and, and what are they going to talk about? And or what have they talked about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Okay. Uh, well, we'll have to tune in and yeah. see. But, uh, but that, tell me, the, pe- the people who come to this, what, what, it, what do you want them to get out of it? The people who buy the tickets to come to the Food Lab and listen to these conferences, who who's your demographic and, and what do you want them to take away? I don't know. You're... I'm not a marketing person, and so I, I don't have a demographic. I mean, we, we create events to bring together people who are really interested in food, either from well, a that's your personal... Well, Eaters. Yeah, but either from people a, from a personal level, yeah, or, or would like to know what that's all about and know how to better do it, to be informed, to see some of these people that they've read about in your newspaper and other papers that they've seen on television. I mean, there are a lot of people who have watched Lydia on TV for 20, 30 years right. and say, wow, I have a chance that to I'll actually her. meet her right. and hear what she has to say and ask some questions. And, and you have so scientists on. talking about like the actual science of taste. So we do have a taste. We do have a taste panel and the panel really is all about taste memories mm-hmm. which we oh, all that's so important. To, Did you and, read and how does taste memory come about it comes about by paying attention to what you eat if you don't pay attention to what you eat and you right, well, Malcolm Gladwell in one of his earlier books wrote a whole essay about ketchup and how ketchup was the first food that most people uh, as children as young children were given to apply to their own food. And so one of the emotional aspects that people carry with ketchup their whole lives is it's the first time they had control of their food. Well, wow. it's interesting because probably in your case, in Bridget, in my case, it was mayonnaise, and in Bridget's case, it was truffles. <laughs> right, Actually, yeah, yeah. it was black Mine olives. Mine was chocolate babka. <laughs> yeah, black olives. From Lickman's on 85th and Amsterdam. But you know, it's funny, because you say taste memory, and like things go boom, boom, boom through my head, yeah. like like going to school in England and having bird's custard, the smell of bird's custard in England, and uh, on a piece of, mm-hmm. um, you know, cafeteria food in my school, you know, and, and having the taste of burnt scallions and ginger on a crab that was plucked right. from it, the it water live in Hong Kong and thrown into a wok and just yeah. cooked with and like those moments what what is one of your early taste memories or great I mean god you've tasted all the food in the world I mean no but as an adult I mean those are less so childhood taste memories I really want to say that one of my great taste memories was eating a most amazing piece of salmon in Monterey California Mm. and um, and it just even now talking about it aside from salivating salivating, right uh, I just visually I remember it I remember the taste. I remember the taste combination and it was very simply done it wasn't one of these very and was this as an adult or no you were a kid I was a kid Wow, yeah. but it but it it brings back an entire uh, portrait. 
It's not. Right. What about right. you, Sock? What, what's like a, a if I just say taste memory? What taste is the first memory, thing that comes uh, to your mind? You know what? My mom's tuna casserole, which was made with uh, Campbell's uh, cream of onion soup and some uh, uh, wheat cream germ. of mushroom soup, right? Cream too? of mushroom soup, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, from from childhood, uh, but I I think that um, we love you, Diane. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think as as an adult. Uh, it's 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 the people and places. It's almost like wine for me, which is you know I, I I find that the wine that I remember has to do with the moment I had it and with who I was with. So it's it has less to do actually with the actual food, uh, mm-hmm. although great food is great food is great food. Uh, but uh, I think it has more to do with the uh, the memory of the moment. Right, right. I agree with you totally. I well, mean, I think it, it's really about, you guys were talking about restaurants earlier, and I was hearing, and everybody says, you ought to open a restaurant because you're a great cook. And great cooking is, obviously it's important, but the experience that a diner has. By the way, has, I'm, not, I'm not a great cook. I have a captive audience. I have, <laughs> I have, you're, you're, a good, you're a good cook. But, but really, being a great be, having a great restaurant and a great restaurant experience is the entire experience. It is. It totally uh, is. And I, well, I remember the, oh first coming to New York and going to your dad's place, Maxwell Plum. It wasn't about the food. No, at it was all. about the it atmosphere. It was about right. the experience. Yeah. And if you look at some of the most popular restaurants, from the high, I work with Eric Repair, uh, oh, and La Bernadette is amazing in terms of the entire dining You know, I've never been there. That you have. Are you well, going to bring me now, up, please? Save up and go. Oh, no, I'm not going to come as your guest. Thanks a lot. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, listen, Jeffrey, we should probably take a little break. Um, but this is so fascinating. If people, I mean, obviously the event will be done by the time this is over, but it's every year. Where can people find out more information? At thefoodlab.org. Okay, and the does that, and does One that, word. Right, and is there a conversation going on for 12 months? Is there a conversation people can get, like, tap into by going to that website moving forward? Sure. We're going to take why another not? little break. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And, and our guest, Jeffrey Drummond from the Food Lab at Stony Brook, Southampton. We are coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn and Restaurant, which serves breakfast to the public every day from 8 to 1030 and also dinner, which is fantastic. And you're listening to us on 88.3 WPPB FM, Long Island's only NPR station. And we'll be right back. So I sing the song of love for Julia. See, shall I windy smile calls me? So I sing the song of love for Back Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy, and, Alex and you're listening to us on 88.3 WPPB FM, Long Island's only NPR station. If you want to keep listening to us, please make a donation. You can do that on 88.3 WPPB.org. We're also talking to Jeffrey Drummond from TheFoodLab.org, amongst other things. Amongst other things, but you produced. I mean, we were just talking about Julia Child. Yeah, let's talk about your history with, with, with Julia. With Julia, it's a great history. It was a great time of my life. As 
How did you guys meet? How did you find each other? I was doing food shows uh, for television back at a time when there really weren't. There was Julia. Right. And Julia was really doing TV. I, I originally started watching Julia's shows when I was in college. Uh, she first went on in 1963. Wow. That's the year and, I was and born. Where was she physically doing her show? She was doing her show in Cambridge, Boston. Okay. Uh, and did most of her shows then. And, and I started doing other, I mean, I was not a food person in particular. I was a film documentary filmmaker, and uh, I joke, or we produced a movie called My Dinner with Andre, I which love became- I so with Andre Previn. No. No, Andre no, Gregory. Andre, Andre Gregory, Gregory right, and Wally right. Sean. And Wally. It was and fantastic. Andre Gregory, and it, and we, it was I directed with, by Louis Maul. Right, such I worked with Andre uh, on a movie called Goodbye Lover. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah very cool. Andre Gregory and, so, and Wally Sean. That was so amazing. Um, I always say, well, that was my first food show because it's was that like the 1981, entire movie, 19... 1980, it was shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the entire arc of the movie was dinner at a with restaurant. With Andre, you got it, and Wally, <laughs> yeah. just the two of them talking about life and theater, and very little about food, by the way. Yeah. You know, I was um, at Tisch School of the Arts studying acting, and that was like our Bible, just so you know, because uh, I went there like in '83, I think, and it, that was like we watched that like a dozen times. It became probably. it became a great cult movie, much to everybody's surprise, because there was no action; it was just really Although great, listening great conversation. To, to Wally, Sean sometimes talk is like a roller coaster so yeah spurred by andre and yeah. no it, louis mall did a brilliant job doing it but the interesting thing was that that really was my first food tv food orient or food driven right. film project and it was a couple of years after that that i ended up doing a series called new york's master chefs which were documentaries about different chefs behind the scenes in their restaurants. Can you still get that? Like, can you see it on Netflix or Amazon? I think or it's anywhere. It's an early PBS show. Uh, it interestingly was nominated for a primetime Emmy, and just to illustrate what the cooking media world was like back in the 1980s, as opposed to now, we lost to the series Cops. <laughs> so, I mean, we were the only other food yeah. show other than Julia Child. And Julia was, um, Julia was actually stopping production on her show right around then. So, I, uh, we did this, we did this as documentaries and were, uh, they were unhosted. And that kind of television tends to be, whether it's Bob Ross or whomever, uh, very personality-driven. And I started looking for somebody to host another MasterChef series. And I was friends with Jacques Pepin, the another chef. chef. And, yeah. uh, and he knew Julia? Call, and he knew Julia very yeah. well. And it was before he 
was really doing active television. And Jacques said, and you should have talked to Julia 80s? Child, middle 80s. Middle 80s. Yeah. Uh, you should talk to Julia Child. And I said, really? Uh, yeah, right. And because he said, yeah. And I yeah. said, oh, that'd be great. And uh, Because I, as, a, as a TV host before that, as her own show, she was um, kind of eccentric. I mean, in the sense that it wasn't all perfection. It wasn't about perfection. It was kind of, she I, let I, things I fall say, out of the pot. I would pot. say just as a viewer, as a kid, as a viewer, I don't think you could invent her. Like, I think that she was so authentically Julia Child. Yeah, and she had a fascinating life, which is a whole other thing. But but she never called herself a chef. She was a cook. She was a cook and a teacher. Right. So it, it was, she was more accessible. She wanted to teach people to appreciate food, and the way you learn to appreciate food was to cook it Absolutely. And and she really accomplished that. And she was, I don't know that she was eccentric. She was larger than life physically. She was six foot two. Right. She had uh, a very resonant voice. Uh, <laughs> and she... Um, and she was funny. Yeah. You know, and humor is yeah. such a key part. I mean, you guys do it. Yeah, here. yeah. Sometimes. It is. Well, <laughs> well now I feel know, the flop sweat. And, but with Julia, she, just the things she did were she had a great sense of timing. Yeah. Uh, for older members of your audience, I, I used to compare her to Jack Benny because she would just yeah, do these, she'd take these double beats and looks yeah. at something to him. For example, uh, one time we were doing, we were cooking a vegetarian dish of, uh, it was mushrooms with chopped spinach. It was Julia and Jacques Pepin together okay. doing a sauteed spinach uh in big mushroom caps and chopped it up and uh, Jacques gives it to Julia and says, what do you think? And she says, I think it tastes tough. And Jacques tastes it and says, oh, I don't think it tastes tough at all. Uh, it tastes really good to me. And Julia says, well, you must have sharper teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but her timing was much better than mine. Yeah. So it was just great. And she would do things that as you know in television when you're directing you're not on the floor like you are in a movie you're all you're in the control room you're in a control room or shooting in julia's house we were in the living room and she was in the kitchen right she would do things uh another time again with Jacques, because i think that was like a comedy show in right a way. it was right. what, 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 what would happen to the food that got cooked on the show it would get eaten by whom by all everybody. By those people in the control room. Yeah, okay, so, that's, so you guys basically got to enjoy her, oh, her food. For sure. No, yeah. it was always very shared. And as you may or may not know, when you're doing a cooking show, uh, because you have to compress it in time, it you cook doubles and triples. You, right. What's called twinning dishes at various stages. Right, right. So, so by you're the putting end it in the of oven and then cooking a turkey, out. you may have three or four turkeys that I are believe shareable. I've had more than three or four turkeys in my <laughs> I life. Say that. I mean, I was going to say that about you, Sog. Sog knows all about turkeys. <laughs> it's not old Toy Story, hey, baby. You know, tuition don't pay itself. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's a maybe another good place to take a, a break. Talking about Julia, and uh, we had the Julia Child dinner at Almond the other day, and. Such Which a, was fabulous. They did Jason and oh, they Eric. Whip up. It was fantastic. Uh, they did all all dishes out of 
Mastering the Art of French Cooking, Julia's book. Nice. Uh, lobster thermidor that was just off the hook. A lobster thermidor, a beef catalan, which is a Spanish-style braised beef. It's your kind of dish, Alec. Yeah. Uh, and so my good. kind of dish, too. It's yeah, yeah. just But wait, what did we start with? An amazing, like, a, pa- a, t- a rough terrine. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was just a, fantastic. I mean, and then the dessert was a tartantin. They should open the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, they yes, that's almond over there. Uh, but we're coming to you from Bridgehampton in a restaurant, kind of kitty corner across the street. And you're listening to us on WPPB. And we'll be right back. Welcome. I'm Julia Child. We're going to have a salmon summer dinner tonight. And look at this beautiful salmon, which was swimming in the Pacific Ocean just this, just yesterday morning. But we're not going to cook a whole salmon because they're so terribly expensive. What we're going to do is cook salmon steaks, which are equally delicious and are very easy to cook indeed. And with them, we're going to have hollandaise sauce and new potatoes and dilled cucumbers. And we're beginning with chicken livers in aspic, and ending with a savarin. And here's the savarin. This is just out of the oven, and it's been baked in a mold, and it's now ready to be drenched in a rum syrup and then glazed, and we're going to fill it with exotic fruits. All right, well, we are back. Sunday's on the East End. Uh, Alex Oclo here with... Bridget Leroy, sorry, checking my emails. Uh, We're at (laughs) 88.3 FM. Also at 88.3 org something or other. Um, I don't pay attention to <laughs> See, that See, this is stuff. why I usually do this. I don't pay attention to You're that hilarious. Stuff. You can but, find but where us. are we? Did, did you say where we were? Uh, we are at the Bridgehampton Inn <laughs> and Restaurant. Uh, I feel so useful. Yay. Like, I know that we're here. It's, but, a, it's such a cool place. We're talking and to Jeffrey. Magical, what a magical little place. I've never been here. I've been out well, here 10 years, and I've never been here. But this you know, it's owned beautiful. by Sibylla Pump, Sibylla Van Kempen, who owns the Loaves and Fishes Cook Store, uh, which is right next door, and the Loaves and Fishes Food Shop down in Sagaponic. With her son. Stefan. Stefan, who was, who, if you look at Sibylla's baby food, there's a little picture, and that was Stefan when he was a baby. And Kyle, Kyle's, well, Kyle's off. I think he's a mixologist, though, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, he's yeah. Learning how to stir up. Formerly known as bartender. Right. I know all these words. <laughs> oh my God, I get so confused. So, so let's talk about like great restaurants. You've probably been talking about restaurants. I mean. You all were talking about starting restaurants before, and I was listening to you and thinking, wow. I mean, because people have said to me, too, okay, you've done all of it. Why don't you start a restaurant? Well, I've worked with chefs now. Right. Uh, they're all crazy. Are, well, they're not all crazy. Yeah, I, Some, I mean, a lot they of them aren't. Be. But it, it's a tough, tough business, yeah. and it's not just about the quality of food. As a matter of fact, the great frustration I think for everybody is is that a lot of times you turn out great food and it doesn't get acknowledged because the whole experience right. isn't great. I, and um, I, if right. I had a restaurant, it would be something called like Seconds, and I'm like, you can just have more. Just like you just come and you just have more. If you me like and, it, have more. Me and my son Joel, uh, we we were going to open a restaurant. He he was vegan for quite a long time, called the Eager Vegan. And, and he wanted, I mean, it was just a fantasy. But when you really have a restaurant, like you said, it's so many moving parts. I mean, you've got to have, it, first of all, a great line. You've got to have a great line team in the kitchen who get along. And uh, I actually in, enforced a rule in, in my restaurant where um, the staff after after hours could have one drink. Because sometimes you get into this party thing and then everybody's dragging the next day. And, you know, because restaurants are also kind of go hand in hand with a lot of 
substance abuse, at least in the past. Now there's there's a lot of kind of sober chefs and or chefs who you know moderate. Okay, but, but for it, the but for the person that's going out to enjoy their meal, they're not thinking about what's going on behind the curtain. Right, but they're the, thinking about the magic of their hour, hour and a half, two hours at this place. Yeah, the which sometimes is, is part of watching the people cooking. Yeah, uh, yeah. in With an the open, open kitchen. Right, now, the open kitchen. Uh, you know, when we did our first chef series, it was all behind. The whole idea was that we were going to take you behind those swinging doors that right. you never got to be then with uh spago in california and shape panisse they opened up kitchens and that started happening here but at the there are also so many levels of restaurant that can either be successful or huge failures uh and it's also about getting the what is it that what is that magic that makes a for a great restaurant or and it used to be and again, not pulling the age thing, but coming back to your dad's time, sure. which is, it wasn't about chefs. It was about the restauranters. It was right. about right. Uh, right. the empresarios. Roy. It was right. about Cereal Macione. It was. Oh and, yeah, I love cereal. You know, in Chinese cereal. restaurant, David K. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and oh, then Barry now, Wine and, and yeah. Barry Wine and now the Giraffe. Yeah. It it kind of evolved into. Right. It, it almost sounds like uh, it parallels like in the '60s into the '70s when in the movie business it became the auteur. The new wave. It's like now. It's you're you're not thinking about a Selznick film. You're thinking about a Coppola film. Right. Right. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and which is interesting in terms of food because there's a shift that's happening not just from it's not just chefs, but it's going. It's beginning to go to farmers and fishermen. Absolutely. So absolutely. I want to go to this place because we, yeah. you know, because we have. Well, that's um, the thing. That's the thing about Eastern Long Island that I absolutely love, fall in love with uh, since I've been here, and fall in love with every time is the sourced food that's local to this region, is so flavorful and and good, and so when I do go out to a restaurant. I am paying more attention to on the menu when they'll say where food is sourced from, which is something I never, ever paid attention to before. No, at the uh, Julia Child dinner at Almond the other night, you know, the greens and stuff came from Amber Waves. Right, and, so, we, and we, we had coffee with the right. two women that started Amber Waves last month, and they have a great story. They have a great story, yeah. and, and, and it's... But just like the restaurant world where you have hugely successful corporate enterprises like Cheesecake Factory and Popeye's I, you know, it's even, just, you know, casual Popeye's is you, killing it right now oh with God. their chicken sandwich. But some of these things, you know, it's, it's, it, to me, it's so much, we're in such an area of locally sourced food and, and I don't really have anything against um, corporate restaurants, but I do on principle yeah, because but, they're but, corporations, you know what, so I guess. When, when my son, you know, I was raising my kids out out in L.A., and when my son was a, a certain age, 10, 11, 12, there was a cheesecake factory about 10 minutes from us. And, you know, every once in a while, if I was feeling like he needed a little daddy time, we would end up there. And it was like going to Willy Wonka. It was like the Charlie and Chocolate Factory. It was the greatest. And 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 it was. And again, it wasn't even about the cheesecake. It was just the his eyeballs would become like. Yeah. But you know, you know what's amazing about? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But the corporation, corporate food. My dad, who you know, I mean, was it was like fun haute cuisine. I mean, we went all over the world. We ate at all the great restaurants everywhere. But whenever we went anywhere in the world, the first thing he would do is go to a McDonald's and order French fries, and he would hold the French fry and he would say. How do they do it? 
how do they make this French fry taste exactly like a French fry in New York? They ran into he, trouble like years well, ago in India where there was like animal fat in, yeah. Uh, yeah. in well, the French fry. Well, that's the classic yeah. Julia story. Of Julia famously loved uh, McDonald's French fries until they stopped cooking them in beef tallow. Right, right. Yeah. And that gave it the flavor. Yeah. And, but um, the idea was the consistency that you would get at every restaurant. My father thought that was magic, you know. Well, the other part of the McDonald's magic, I mean, I don't know how we dropped that. <laughs> <to McDonald's. laughs> okay, no, how did we get up uh, on or, this Or moved tangent. up to McDonald's. Whoa. But the other part of yeah. the magic, which is the restaurant story, is that it almost became like a religion. Anthropologically, the golden arches were kind of a religious icon that people would come. And you knew they trained their customers so that when you went to a McDonald's, especially early on, you knew you were going to wait in line. You knew if you ordered something special, you were going to have to stand aside for a grill order. And so, I mean, and right, which, they which did a all brilliant, those, like, brilliant those pleasure, kind of job. Those pleasure receptors pop at the expectation, exactly, uh, yeah. and knowing that you have to wait, knowing that you have to pay, you know, all that stuff makes the the experience uh, chemically feel better in your head. Right, and and it's a distant analog of the experience that you have when you go into a fine dining restaurant and you're greeted by the person at the front end who said, oh, hello, Mr. Drummond. Right, right, right. There, there was, uh, so Norm, Norm McDonald, the comedian, uh, did a, a very funny bit about the difference between eating out and eating at home. And without getting into his comedy, I'll just say, he says, you know, at home, you don't have a loaf of bread waiting for the main course. Right, you know, right. It's like, whereas <laughs> in a restaurant, it's just like, it's assumed you're going to eat a loaf of bread. or you're gonna Yeah, eat, exactly. You know? That's so true. But you know yeah. what's amazing, and we're talking about just quickly about McDonald's, and I mean, without going into too much detail, of course, the, the fast food industry in general is, uh, I saw Michael Pollan um, giving a talk, it might have been a TED Talk or something, saying like, if, if you want to get off the fast food train, or if you feel like, you know, you're eating too much or you're gaining weight, what you the 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 clue is you can eat anything you want you just have to make it from scratch because the idea yeah. is you can go and get french fries three times a day but yeah, try well, making know, so french my, fries my, three times a day my girlfriend dana is finishing or had will have finished two days ago a five-day cleanse that, that that has the science behind it and everything it's reduced calories and it's all this stuff and we've had a lot of conversations this week about uh longevity and 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 what it really does to you inside. I've watched her uh, do this this week and I don't think I could do it personally, but I do think even that it's a more mindful thing. I do know the first meal she has after this will be like that, the best meal she ever had. Well, you know what they say, the road to health is paved with good intestines. I did not know they said that. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I say it. What have you learned in your journey? What have you learned by, by living your life uh, and putting your energy into uh, both television and, and the food industry? Authenticity, uh, probably more than anything. As you get older, you appreciate more and more just the lack of grief that you pick up by not being authentic, by not being honest, by not being true to who you are and Mm -hmm. where you want to go. And it's just much easier to kind of be straight on with stuff and move ahead. And boy, that's so true. It's true with food. Mm-hmm. And it's true with life and with people. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Ockham. And our guest, Jeffrey Drummond from the Food Lab and many other incarnations. And we're coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn Restaurant on WPPB-FM Long Island's only NPR station. We'll be right back. Me, me. 
We're back. Sunday's on the East End. Alex Sokolow here. And Bridget Leroy. And we're talking with Jeffrey Drummond from the Food Lab and many other incarnations that he's had. We were just talking about this area, the East End, kind of growing up, right? I just, I've only been here for about 10 years, but in the 10 years that I have been here, I've seen huge changes in food and appreciation for uh, what we grow here, what we take out of the sea. I mean, we've always had terrific fishermen and great fish, but it hasn't necessarily reached the public in a way that it's reaching now. And we've gone from what was one commercial winery on the north, the first one started by Louisa Hargrave, who just spoke at our conference Mm -hmm. the other day, um, to uh, in 1973 to I think 65 wineries now. And they're really producing amazing stuff. Can we just talk about that briefly? Sure. And um, my bias on Long Island wine is that white wine is better than red. Is that by and large uh, true, or is that just my bias? It's your bias. Okay. Um, (laughs) No, no, it it is. I mean, there are really, uh, right now, uh, there are terrific Cab Francs being made. uh, And Cabernet Franc is a grape that is not as challenging, let's say, as Pinot Noir, right. but very, very tasty and is used in uh, making Bordeaux wine or, uh, and so on. Um, and they're doing I, that on the North and Fork. And they're doing that on the North Fork. I know that Macari has a, um, a Cap Franc that just won all kinds of prizes around nationally. Uh, I think white wines are terrific. Uh, Pominac, for example. And rosé is so popular now. Rosé like, is, is like... huge, and obviously Wolfer has been a pioneer in doing that. Well, it's and... the bottle is so pretty, too. Well, yeah. But that goes back I mean, to the entire experience. That, that bottle almost sums up a little bit of what we were talking it, about right, previously. Right, right, with it, restaurants. It becomes yeah. a memorable aspect. But but Pominac, for example, makes a Chenin Blanc. Now, Chenin Blanc traditionally is a grape that is sort of sweet. I don't want to get too esoteric. <laughs> no, I like it. I love but, it. But they do, there's a winery in California, and Alec was asking about California before, uh, called Chapelet up in the Napa Valley that makes mind-blowing uh, Chenin Blanc. You know, one of the few that are drinkable because so many of them are just way too insipidly sweet. Pomenac. I like how we start talking about wine. We like 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 the the polysyllabic words come out. It's like it's insipid. It's like soccer. It's like that hey, goal was brilliant. I, I did not use leather or pencil shaving. It tastes like Gandhi's sandal. <laughs> but the other thing that's happening out here is there's, for example, a distillery called right. Matchbook Distillery, uh, run by Leslie Marinoff and her husband uh, Brian. Who, um, where you can blend your own gins. Yeah, and and I think the Foster uh, the so Foster families uh, in the, the process of opening up. They're the doing vodka, yeah. but but this place is an opportunity where you go in and they have a wall of botanicals. Oh wow! That you where, so where is this? is is in Greenport. Wow. 
It's called Matchbook. And you go in there and you basically, it's all about, it's about taste and flavor. If taste is, are those basic five things ending with umami that we mm. were talking about. You could have an umami Flavor gym. gets into the olfactories, gets into the experience of it. And remember, this reminds me of a time that I was out in a field in the south of wow. France and blah, blah, blah. That's I get amazing. the blueberry on it or I get the this. Or with, you know, making a rye whiskey, it might be, wow, it just... I can smell the field of, you know. And there's all these hop, hop, you know, hops and, and then breweries. look what's happening in beer. I know, it's amazing and out we here. we have some great, I mean, Montauk is, yeah. is an amazing. And story. Greenport, started Jamesport. started by three guys who were lifeguards in Montauk. Know. Uh, you it's know, amazing. Ten years ago. It's amazing. And then the food, the same. You know, the farms, whether it's Amber Waves or Balsam or, you know. Satter on the uh, yeah, right. Amber Waves is in Amagansett. Right. Balsam is in Bridgehampton? No, Amagansett. It's, it's also Amagansett. Okay. But, but like, Satter Farms Satter, is in South Hold, um, I think. And, uh, is in well it's actually it's in Sangley, right Sangley. and and the interesting about Sauer is that Eberhard Mueller who yeah. and his wife Paulette, Paulette. Satur, uh were in the restaurant business she was in the right. wine business he was a top he was the chef under uh Gilbert Lacoste at Le Bernardin and wow. then went to yeah. by the way for, as we're talking restaurants I love the frisky oyster I love the Frisky Oyster. Is it still open? It is still open. Oh, okay. And, and again, it's a, it, for me, going to... I saw the movie. I don't know the rest of it. Oh, no. Well, it's it's in <laughs> uh, Greenport. Is yeah. that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Greenport. You know, you take the two ferries from this part of the right. island, and it, it's it's right kind of on the main drag, and it's this amazing dining experience really? that, that is shocking. Yeah, you walk in, and you get transported. Wow. So again, you talk Very about cool. what's going yeah. on here, and and you know, just local guys, oh, no. a little husband and wife. So one of the one of the things that we're looking at is we say, how do we begin to bring the restauranters, the wineries, the you know, the producers of all this food together to say, hey, we have a Long Island or an East End cuisine that should be known. Yeah, we do for this. Yeah. In the same way that when people talk about Napa. Or they talk about Burgundy. It's it's when you talk about Burgundy, the first thing you think about is wine. But then you think about, well, wait a second. Yeah. This is what, where Paul Bocuse I was. Actually, and, sure. and, and when in, just with, with regards to Napa, I find that the food is far more interesting than the wine. Just well, Thomas Keller is up there too. But, so. but it's just I mean, in general. It's like stuff. you know, you can go and in Napa. Waters, I remember the food stuff. more than I remember the wine from yeah. Napa. Yeah. And no, and the same and. So it's and it's a combination of the two. One, it's a you know they both pull, mm-hmm. and and I think we have the same thing here, and we can do that. And that's part of kind of circling back to Food Lab. Uh, part of what we're looking to do is to nurture and nourish community around food and to recognize this kind of great gift that we're developing. Well, Alec, you want to take us out with your line i will but i you know i'll say everybody this week uh you know uh cook something that you enjoy cooking cook something you've never cooked before just for the experience of 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 that and and enjoy uh the blessing of the bounty of eastern long island so everybody have a good week and uh, be well and stay well oh and stick a fork in it baby because we're done (laughs) there you go and be well and stay well Music coming through the kitchen door. I hear 
hear Dinah wash and shine, but I never heard the song before. Someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. Someone's in the kitchen, I know. Someone's in the kitchen with Dinah, strumming on the old banjo. Dinah didn't make no pudding, didn't make the apple pie. Cause she's pitching in the kitchen with the apple of her eye. Someone's in the kitchen, do 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 